just wondering, how many of you, uh, of you ladies or mothers got flowers this week? Just curious. It's poll. Okay, that's good. Good. Chivalry is not dead. All right. I'm just kidding. Flowers are, um, chocolates are good too. Um, yeah, I got flowers. Well, my brother got flowers for my mother, but I supported his decision. <laughs> I don't live at home anymore. I live here. <laughs> so everyone appreciates flowers. Even guys, no matter how manly they are, we all appreciate flowers. You know, they're, they're vibrant, and there's so many ways you can arrange them, and flowers can pretty much suit any occasion, right? The only thing is, no matter how well you keep your flowers and take care of them, give it a week or so, and they wither and they fade and they die. And then next holiday, next occasion, we replace them with more flowers. But I wonder, how often you have to replace those more homely-looking plants, plants like aloe? How many people here have aloe plants in their house? Hmm, I do, I do. It seems like the most neglected plants are the most, um, are last the longest. The ones we don't look at, the ones that we take for granted, they're the ones that stick around in our homes. You barely, after, you barely ever have to water aloe, right? You just give it a place in your house, you give it a spot, and you ignore it, and it grows, and it lasts for years and years. It's part of your home. So aloe requires, it's, just, it's amazing, it requires very little, but it wastes nothing. This kind of plant requires minimal light, but it uses every drop of moisture that it gets. I was just in the sacristy before mass, I was saying, when do you even water aloe? And I ever said, I don't know, at some point, right? And when aloe is cut, it doesn't die, it doesn't lose its vitality. No, it grows back fast at a rapid pace, and its sap has all kinds of healing and soothing properties for uh, for different wounds, different afflictions. So it isn't flashy, it isn't romantic, but it's welcoming and it's calming. And the longevity of these cactus plants gives reassurance and its appearance to us, give us gives us hope. And I say it's because as Christians, we're called to be desert plants, not domestic flowers. We're called to be resilient, not fragile. We're called to be needed, needed, not needy, not needy. And so I think if we have everything we want, if we always have everything that we want or think we do, we can feel like this is about as good as it can get. If we have everything we want, we can think this is as good as it gets. So then when we don't get the clothes that we really want, when we don't get the iPhone 25, you know, when we don't get the exact food that we're hungering for, we're filled with disappointment, you know, maybe frustration, maybe despair, maybe jealousy. When friends let us down, we can feel like we're all alone, you know, and when moments don't go as we would like, we lose hope for that day and lose hope maybe for the next day. 
So instead, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. They are like a tree planted beside the waters that stretches out its roots to the stream. It fears not the heat when it comes, its leaves stay green, and the year of drought, it shows no distress, and it still bears fruit. And I was wondering, the crowd of people, the, the crowd of people that followed Jesus, that were sitting with him, listening, what brought them there? Were they, were they happy and content when they left their door? Spiritually, definitely not. Physically, I don't know. Otherwise, they would have stayed at home in the comfort of their house, and they would have missed these words that Jesus spoke. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are now hungry. Blessed are you who are now weeping. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude and insult and judge you on my account. Rejoice. He says, your reward will be great in heaven. And then he warns the others. He says, woe to you that have everything now, who have it all now. Now, he isn't condemning anyone who has a comfortable lifestyle, who has nice things. He's not condemning anybody who is happy. But I think he's warning that people are careful not to make life on earth their heaven. You know, anyone who's making this life their heaven, this is dangerous. That's what he's warning against. Because I was thinking, when we pray to our Father, how can we want his kingdom to come if we're good and happy and content now? How can we want his kingdom to come? And so that's what the Beatitudes are getting us towards. A life of blessedness, a life of Beatitude, is just a life anticipating the real joys and the peace and the freedom and the perfect love and the perfect unity of heavenly life. We should thirst for that, like in the desert. And so that's why we embrace these moments of emptiness, right? Choosing not to indulge all the pleasures that are right here in front of us. We learn to be comfortable with being unsatisfied. Like skipping breakfast before mass with a hungry stomach and coming to our Lord. We're, we're comfortable with not having our way all the time. And we accept, we try, to accept judgment from others without wanting to have revenge. And we accept moments of suffering, we accept them rather than hating them. Accepting a bad day rather than hating a bad day. And so Jesus not only uh, promises that he's closer than ever in these moments of the desert moments, the trial moments, but if we become used to having less and others having more, if we accept dryness, emptiness, suffering, with faith, then no grace will be wasted. No gift won't be unappreciated. We'll be thankful for one ray of sunshine through the Ohio sky. We'll be thankful for every drop. We won't waste a drop of nourishment that we get from the world and from God. And from there, 
hopefully, we will thirst just to be, just to be with Jesus, right? In the silence, breathing, and letting his love just grow within us. To not be attached to the joys out there, but know the joy of his life just nourishing us and filling us. So then, whatever happens, nothing can touch that peace and that friendship, that vitality that we have with our Lord. So planted in his love, planted in his love, and rooted in his friendship, fed, healed, nursed by him, we'll have all the vitality we need to be the comfort, to be the strength, to be the healing for those who are still thirsting for what we found and for what sustain us. Amen.